0: This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Destination Analysts, a team of travel industry experts widely known for their pioneering customized travel and tourism research that is second to none. For reliability, affordability, and transparency. They not only assist their clients with the interpretation of the research results, but the architecture and execution of strategy based on that research. And for the past, yes, full year, Destination Analysts has been producing weekly consumer trend insights reflecting the realities of COVID-19. You can download the latest edition at destinationanalysts.com. And now it's on to our show. Our guest today is Kristen Jarnigan. With more than 25 years of experience as a destination marketing and management leader, Kristen oversees the official regional organization charged with furthering Long Island's $6.3 billion tourism economy. A Long Island transplant from Arizona, her vast knowledge of destination leadership spans from state tourism marketing, corporate branding, and serving as a statewide lobbyist for tourism and economic development advocacy. Kristen and her team at Discover Long Island... Work to promote a positive perception of Long Island across the globe, which draws lucrative visitors, stirs business attraction, and drives economic development throughout the region. During her tenure at Discover Long Island, she has spearheaded many groundbreaking initiatives and partnerships that create regional synergies and leverage resources. She has been named to the Top 50 Women in Business on Long Island's Hall of Fame, Power Women of Long Island, City and State's Top 100 Long Island Influencers, and the Melville Chamber's Business Advocate of the Year. She's a graduate from the acclaimed Walter Cronkite School of journalism at Arizona State University. She's also a CDME. Her favorite pastime is discovering Long Island with her two daughters and reigniting the passion for the place they call home for Long Island natives. Christian Jernigan, welcome to DMOU.
1: Thanks, Bill. I've been aspiring to this moment. Now I know I've made it officially.
0: (laughs) Well, I tell you what, it's taken us way too long to schedule this. As I told you early on in our conversations about getting you onto the show is, I think you've been on every industry podcast And every time I go, oh, that's a really cool idea. We got to talk to Kristen about that. All of a sudden, the next week, you're on somebody else's (laughs) podcast. You're going, hey, you're
1: you're
0: supposed to be on my podcast. (laughs) So I've been waiting and waiting. And finally, I found something that I don't think you've talked to anybody else about. So (laughs) here we are.
1: Good. Well, I'm oversaturated is what I'm hearing.
0: (laughs) I wouldn't even say that because you've done it in so many different genres, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. Is you're the next Oprah, right? You got industry cred, you got fans, you've got all these different vehicles to get your message out. And I just I think it's fascinating. <laughs> oh you've Please. been one of those bright lights in destination marketing circles for the past five years, reimagining what it really means to be a DMO. We often reference you uh, when we work with boards to think more oh. broadly about their organization's role. I mean, really. You engaging a respected healthcare professional early on to be your official wellness ambassador. That was genius. And you've shared many of your stories, like I said, on another podcasts, But we want to go a different direction with you. During the pandemic, you launched Long Island TV, a weekly showcase of your destination with one of your episodes garnering over 80,000 views. Now, while this is not a new concept, tell us about why Long Island TV has been such an incredible success for you.
1: Thank you. And wow, I'm so truly, I'm honored to be here. And and I reference you all the time as well. And I really feel so grateful to follow in the footsteps of so many incredible DMO leaders that I learn from all the time. And and I listen to your show religiously, as so all of our colleagues. Well, thank you. About Long Island TV, it's interesting because I know... Before 2020 and 2019, we had had a television show with our local news station, as so many DMOs do, right? It was Discover Long Island TV, and we would go on there and talk about events happening this weekend or whatever, and it was me on camera, but it was pay to play. Um, and It was very expensive and it was our local market, and it went away during COVID because of course we had no events. When we came back, we were talking about having video, of course, because we knew Long Island was one of the hardest hit industries. Of any related to COVID, because we were at the epicenter, second only to New York City, with the number of deaths, the number of uh, positives. It was really dire mm-hmm. here. So right. yeah. we shut down hard. And when we came back, it wasn't good enough to say we're open for business. We opened for business, and people were scared. People didn't know what it looked like. Were the businesses safe? How was the social distancing? Were people wearing masks? So we knew in that moment that video was gonna be king. And I reached out to my producer at the news station who I trusted and worked with in our show. And I said, you know, I I really want to do something on YouTube because it's accessible. And I should give full credit to my uh, two teenage daughters, (laughs) by the way, who watch YouTube religiously. And I'm always watching them going, what are you guys watching? What are you doing? Who is that? I started looking into it. and Did you know that there's a billion hours of content a month being downloaded on YouTube and it's global? So kind of twofold, I called him and I was like, do you think this is realistic? I wanted it to be like a vlog, not a highly produced show, not a big glossy marketing show, but a vlog that shows we're going out. You can go out safely. This is what it looks like. This is what's in your own backyard that you had no idea existed. Mm -hmm. And the other thing we wanted to do is utilize our mobile visitor center. A couple of years ago, we bought an ice cream truck. And we converted her. We named her Lily after a social media contest that we had. L-I-L-I. Perfect. And we converted her to a mobile visitor center. And she's supposed to go to events, and she was really popular. But right now, she's sitting in the parking lot, dormant. And that's a really expensive asset. Yeah, right. I'm going to have to. St- that was quickly becoming a liability that I was going to have to explain. So it allowed us to utilize Lily as our road trip vehicle, and Lily takes you around Long Island every week now. And it has just been incredible for so, so many reasons, not just the viewership, but really the exposure to our partners has been probably the best part.
0: You know, anytime we've talked with somebody about this concept, about, you know, putting a face on the organization and that face oftentimes should be the CEO, sometimes it's the marketing director or the, you know, director of community affairs, but I, you know, I kind of come from maybe it's old school, but I think that the CEO's face is really important. And we talk about the opportunities to do maybe not a weekly show, but even a monthly show. And the pushback I often get is, I just don't have enough time to do that. What kind of a time commitment is it for you for your weekly show?
1: Yeah, I face that internally too. We had those discussions a lot internally. Who should it be? And our original concept, because I didn't wanna do it every week, it takes a lot of time. And I thought, you know what? I'll do the first one, and then we'll have guest hosts every week from around the region and share the spotlight, and they'll take Lily around. And we quickly realized not everybody's as comfortable on camera. <laughs> not everybody. We have mm-hmm. wanted it to have yep. the same feel and the same tone and to really catch um, a synergy and, and, and catch an audience. So I, I really quickly realized, to your point, especially now, especially this year, our businesses wanted to see me the CEO, they wanted to see mm-hmm. me, yeah. and they still do. I was out last weekend at a property, Southampton Inn, and a property that in the past has been really challenging for us. She's the largest property in the Hamptons, so she has high expectations for us. And we went out and videoed her, recorded her and featured her, rightly so, and just the relationship building of that moment. Every partner that I'm in front of, I'm at the brewery, I'm at their museum, I'm showcasing them, and for me to take time out of my day to show them that we care about them. We spend so much time as DMOs telling everyone how they need to support us, give us more funding, make sure we're well equipped with resources so that we can market and brand the destination, but this is a time when we can show them through this very easy way of me going to two places a week, and it is time-consuming, but the FaceTime is truly invaluable. So I carve out one afternoon a week, okay. it's usually Wednesday afternoon or Friday afternoon, and we go and we tape two locations a week, and then it takes my uh, in-house producer and editor the rest of the week to actually make it look yeah. good.
0: <laughs> well, this kind of parallels with something that we've been recommending to our clients for a few years. I mean, he, prior to COVID, it's tougher now, of course, and hopefully it won't be in the next few months when we get back uh, out there. But, you know, you look at the opportunity to put somebody on the street, whether it is the CEO or whether it's the partnership director. Right. So let's say it's a partnership director and they've never had that position before. And I go, look, here's the deal. said, so you need somebody who's popping into restaurants, night spots, retailers, attractions and just saying, hey, how are things going? What's new? You got a new line. You got a new service. You got a new experience. You're not just making friends that will pay off hopefully financially in the future but you're also building content you're bringing that content back to the staff and goes wow you know here's the club dates for this you know music venue or you know the guy who has been running the the Jamaican restaurant is going to flip and do something really amazing and you wouldn't know that if you weren't just popping your head in and so i think that it works on two or three different levels and i think what you're doing with the tv show is exactly that
1: Well, thanks. I think, you know, like they say, timing is everything. And had we tried this in 2019, when our restaurants and our businesses and hotels were were slammed and were busy, they may not have wanted to see us honestly pop our head in. But right now it makes Mm -hmm. all the difference in the world to show the FaceTime and to show them that we're supporting them on an individual basis. And the cool thing about YouTube is initially we're talking to a local audience, but in a moment's notice, we flip the script and it goes national and it goes global. And then now we have all this incredible content on our destination. So it's really exciting. And and we had no idea how much it was going to take off. And now we're getting people interested in sponsoring it. And so we have this additional potential monetized asset that we can sell, which is terrific.
0: It is. So next up, that wasn't good enough. TV wasn't enough for you. You had to continue your, your move to global domination of all media. You've got a thing now called Long Island Tea, which is a video podcast, which is more about you as a destination personality. Tell us about the concept behind the conversation and how it builds both your destination brand and your organization brand.
1: Well, again, I think it goes to the fact that Long Island was really shut down. A lot of destinations didn't go through what we did, so you didn't have to look for all these alternative ways uh, so drastically to communicate like we did. But we have not done any paid advertising since last March there's just no appetite for it in our destination, mm-hmm. our visitors, and we're still in a travel bubble here in New York. So we had to look for ways to stay visible and stay relevant and help our businesses tell their stories. And so honestly, I was inspired by you. Thank you. I was a, you know, listening to your podcast. I was a guest on Adam with Relics podcast. And when that happened, I was like, now this is interesting platform. And I started listening to all of these podcasts and some were good and that I love the industry. And some were like, okay, you know, when you're listening to them, I thought, this is a great, great, super easy, $200 machine, affordable way to tell stories. But if I wasn't in the industry, would I listen? Do I care? And so I started listening to podcasts that I wanted to listen to on the side, ones that interview celebrities. There's one that I love of these two ladies that love to drink different things and pair pair (laughs) Halloween candy with their favorite drink or whatever, and something fun. So we really Decided it should be a hybrid of something that is entertaining that people, whether or not you care about the tourism industry or Long Island, hopefully you want to listen to. So we, we kind of explain it as like a mixture of Hoda and Kathy Lee and Howard and Robin and a destination DMO podcast. We sprinkle in some tourism and DMO information in, in between.
0: But there's really a lot more personality to it. I mean, yeah, you're, you're using things that are happening in the destination as things to talk about. But we're really getting to know the two of you on the show.
1: Yeah, it's kind of scary, uh, to be honest. It it is a very vulnerable thing to do. And so it's myself as a transplant, right? So the way we kind of describe it is I'm a transplant. Moving to Long Island, I know that Long Island is a really unique place to live. And people that are not from here have no idea. There are not that many people that move here. People that usually live here live here for generations. And so being a transplant is a really big deal. And uh, so I did it with my co-host, my COO who's a Long Island native. And she has a wonderful Long Island accent that we love to talk about. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's on the South shore and I'm on the North shore. And that's a total Long Island thing. Like it's a whole North shore, South shore competition. And she has young kids and I have teenagers. And so we kind of approached it from a really human standpoint that way. And uh, of course, the other interesting part is we partnered with the Long Island wine country to promote wines in the wine region. And so we, you know, we're obligated, Bill, to drink wine every episode (laughs) and then talk about the wines because, you know, that's a very important part of our job.
0: Absolutely. And I I hadn't thought of it that way, that you're essentially the newcomer, even though you've been there for five years, but you're still discovering. And I, I was really taken by an exchange. The two of you were trying to figure out why sports fans, they either love these three teams or these three teams, and it doesn't vary, right?
1: You're right, and I don't know, we couldn't figure that out. So then the cool thing is we were like, are you a Jets fan or a Giants fan, and how do you choose? And so then we take that to our social channels and say, you know, we do surveys, polls. Are you Jets or Giants? Let us know why. And it creates such a fun engagement. Another great Long Island story that I heard a lot about from locals is that I talked about one of the things we do here that's really funny is that people on Long Island leave very valuable things that they don't want anymore on the curb. And I find that to be very unusual to the point where I picked up a Stairmaster from the curb a few weeks ago after Christmas. You can tell someone got a Peloton or something. And it's an actual Stairmaster branded Stairmaster. And you can get like couches and grills, Weber grills. It's crazy. crazy. And people put stuff out on the curb on Sunday, whatever they don't want. And then everyone knows you you cruise the neighborhood and you pick up this incredible stuff. And people in Long Island were like, wait, 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 I, I, we recorded that. And they were like, that's not, people don't do that everywhere. That's not a normal thing. I'm like, no, 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 not where I come from. Did
0: anybody say, don't tell anybody about
1: that? Well, it's funny because Long Islanders, sometimes we talk about things and they're just, they're mind blown. We had a whole episode about the Long Island sound. It's not just a body of water. It, and all the incredible musicians from Long Island. And when you start naming them all, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, not, of course, everyone is Billy Joel, but Mariah Carey and John Jett and Pat Benatar and John Coltrane and all of these incredible artists, the Ramones, it goes on and up, on and on. So then we got a call from Dee Snyder because we were saying, we're not going to take it should be the theme song of 2020. You know, he's from like a Twisted Sitter and he calls us and he's like, what? And we just end up talking about Long Island with Dee Snyder and Um, so it's been really a great way to tell authentic and real stories and engage, you know, locals and build some community pride, but also maybe, you know, pull back the curtain a little bit on our destination for people who might be interested.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So you're dominating with your TV show. You're dominating with your podcast. Sticking in the video vein for question number three, a lot of DMOs think that TikTok is just a platform for attention deficit teens, right? (laughs) You've been killing it on this platform with over 54,000 followers. What did you see in TikTok? And why doesn't anybody else see that? I mean, you guys are just, it's all over
1: it blows my mind and again this is the benefit of having teenage daughters you know they keep me young right. and i see them on tiktok all the time and especially during quarantine i mean everybody was on tiktok and you know i started looking into it you think that tiktok is just dances it's not you start looking at it there are tons of travel writers and there's immense travel content on tiktok and inspiration. And I started looking into it and I talked to DMOs about it. And sometimes people think, oh gosh, no, that's not our brand. You know, it's not for us. But when we started TikTok, we actually have two channels. One is for Discover Long Island, and it's more about getting to know our staff and humanizing our staff in, in this time. And it's really fun. It's like our staff as Billy Joel songs. And we do a fun, you know, we, we talk about our merch, but really what we did is we were on early mm-hmm. enough to, to capture the Long right. Island, New York TikTok. So the good thing is that's the one that has 55, you know, thousand followers in just a few months. The engagement is incredible, hundreds of thousands of views on several of our videos, and more importantly, we're controlling the narrative. And it's funny since I've been doing this, I'll talk about TikTok, and people are like, "Oh no, that's not for us." I'm like, "So 50,000 people?
0: Yeah, I'll take it."
1: Don't don't want 50,000 people to know about where to have brunch or where to go for St. Patrick's Day. It's interesting if you look at it, like I've started to look into it, almost every destination has a TikTok, but most of them are not controlled by the DMO. Most of them are controlled by somebody random that just is talking Mm -hmm. about their hometown. So it's definitely something that I encourage everyone to get involved in because the engagement alone, when you look at it, how many comments, 50 something comments on every single video that we do. And it's another way where our team is out as well, collecting content. Being at the bar, being at the event, taking their video and showing them and then showing them all of the engagement. So it's just one more touch point for our partners as well.
0: You bring up a great point. This is kind of like the uh, Wild West days of the Internet where uh, speculators were picking up citynames.com or newspapers that kind of figured it out first. Here in Madison, mm-hmm. madison.com, sadly, is, is our newspaper. Um, and they know what kind of real estate that is, and they're never going to give it up. As much as they love the community and would love to help visit Madison, now Destination Madison, do their work, they're not giving up that URL. Even if you're not going to get into TikTok, you should at least camp out on that. Yeah. yeah. Get the name. But absolutely.
1: Yeah. Get the name. You're so right. Just like always, we don't have longisland.com. That was gone a long time ago. And, and I think we do fine with Discover Long Island, but you're right. I, We do that. It's just a, anytime there's an emerging platform an emerging channel, always go on and just collect your name and and try and own the name of the destination for that reason. But even, you know, going back to YouTube, we had 300 subscribers when we started the show and now we're almost at 2000. And I really consider, you know, 2020, I keep calling it the great equalizer for DMOs because, you know, I think, you know, working so hard for the Mm -hmm. last five years to be innovative and all of those things, but You know, while I'm a huge $6.3 billion industry, I'm only a $3 million budget because of politics. I should be an $18 million budget if I got the whole bed tax. And so therefore, I've never really been able to play in the big section with with the big budgets. But what 2020 has allowed smaller destinations like us to do is really be innovative and rise and say, these are all free or inexpensive platforms and just do the work and grind and show what we're capable of doing.
0: Yeah. So for anybody who is still in that, oh, it's not for me. It's just a bunch of teenagers dancing. Just go on TikTok, enter in the address. So it's Discover Long Island, right?
1: So we have two. Yeah, Discover Long Island is ours with the staff. Okay. And it's I mean, this one's much less of a priority for us. So it's probably, you know, what's it forty, five hundred followers. Um, and we post on it less, but we also have Long Island, New York. So if you search for Long Island, New York, you'll see our logo. And you can look at some of the content and and it's very beautiful it's all on brand and the engagement is terrific and you can actually see people commenting saying oh my gosh i love this business i'm going there for brunch i had no idea and i myself my kids have seen it we covered this one bakery called crave and my daughter 13 watched it and she's like why haven't you taken me to this bakery on your TikTok?" i was like i don't know so we went that weekend <laughs> but it really is a very innovative and effective way to drive people to your destination and to individual businesses.
0: Yeah. And you know, you say 4,500 followers on the staff-driven TikTok, but I got to tell you, we have worked with destinations that don't have 4,500 Facebook followers. (laughs) So so 4,500 is nothing to sneeze at in some destinations, right?
1: Well, it's not. And you know, it depends on who your audience. So as our, you know, our mantra these days has been visible, be out there, show that we're here, we're working on your behalf, show the team, show that we're faces behind this organization and we have families and we're, we're doing our best for you. And um, so the 4,500 people that are following us on Discover Long Island really care about our team. These are our partners. And so it just serves a whole different, you know, message.
0: Well, it's fascinating. And I'm totally blown away with your numbers. I mean, probably between your two TikToks, you've got to be over a million views. And that kind of stuff is, is gold. And so love the way you think, but we can't let you go until we get the bonus round question for you. And so, you know, there are so many ways we could go with this with you. One of our past guests, John Grove from the Rockford area C V B, told us that he interned for Newt Gingrich, You tell us that you interned for John McCain and you worked for Sarah Day O'Connor. So, wow, we could go there. And maybe next time we talk, we will. (laughs) You're also a dancer at heart. We could go there. Here's what I really want to know, though. You once had a two-month gig that paid you enough money to buy a sports car and a Kenwood Stereo. You've got to tell us about that game I'm
1: dating myself with the Kenwood stereo, that the tall Kenwood I stereo. I perfect. I with, think it's perfect with the dancing synthesizer. Remember those? Can you yeah. picture it? I no, yeah, yeah. You no, know, it's so yeah. funny. I've, I, I was once called a vortex of conflicts. I think this is perfect because I grew up wanting to be a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader as my dream, and yet I ended up at the age of, you know, turning 19 on an Alaskan fishing boat i worked on a fishing boat in the bering sea wow. um it was not yeah. like the one you see on tv it was a factory boat out of denmark it was a crazy experience i was so poor you know bill that's the thing is when you're 18 and i needed a car and i wasn't making the money as a hostess fast enough at bennegan's so right. my sister who lived in boise idaho which is you know most of these companies are based out of seattle she had gone on a summer a fishing boat and she said you should come with me it's room and board paid for and you get 0002 percent of the boat's profits as a starting because you're the lowest of the low and you sign a contract and you pretty much sign your life away so i did it i was 18 and i worked on this boat where we did pollock was the kind of fish we fished for, which is basically like fish sticks. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's what's inside your frozen fish sticks. Right. I was in the very bottom of the boat. A bunch of fillets would come in the middle of the table that was lit underneath and you'd pull out anything that had bones or parasites or whatever. And it was uh, six hours on, six hours off, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So in your six hours off, that was when you like Got out of your fish clothes, ate, and slept. So I didn't sleep more than three really? and a half hours at a time.
0: Wow. For
1: 64 days. Simply amazing. Talk about learning hard work and ethics. And I realized I wanted to go to college after that. Yeah. I was able to buy my first car. I bought a red Dodge Daytona Turbo with T tops. Ooh. So <laughs> <laughs> it was a piece of junk, but it was very sexy.
0: But it was your piece of junk, right? <laughs>
1: It was mine and it was paid for in cash, that and my Kenwood yeah. Stereos. And then I realized I never wanted to work like that again. And I was very motivated to go to college. Yep.
0: See, it was just the opposite for me. I was a lifeguard. I'd still love to be a lifeguard. That was just the greatest in the world. But then again, I, I found an old pay stub the other day and I think I was making 125 an hour. So that <laughs> didn't pay very well.
1: But what you were getting was the Prestige lifeguards to girls are like gods. Okay. So I know that.
0: Getting prestige and cancer. Those are the two things I came away with.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. (laughs)
0: Hey, Kristen, thank you so much for joining us and for uh, being that light that uh, says, you know, maybe we don't do it the same way anymore. Maybe we try something new. And I, like I said, we love the way you think, and we're looking forward to you continuing to uh, push us all forward. Uh, in this crazy world as we come out of COVID.
1: Thank you so much for all of the support and encouragement, not only to you, but that I've received. I love this community that we're in. I love listening to your show, and I learn truly something every single time I listen from all of my counterparts. So I'm just so honored to be in this industry. Oh,
0: you bet. Thank you. And it's a great industry to be in and one that will never let you go. Hope not. <laughs> right? I mean, I could have gone a couple of different directions when I decided to leave the Madison Bureau, and I just knew I couldn't. I, there's just no way I could leave the the partners and the friends and the relationships that you build in destination marketing, it is the best. And as my mother always said, you know, got to give back. And I don't know anything in a community that gives back like this. I mean, you can do, you know, good works, you can do social services works, you can United Way, that's all good stuff, but nothing gives back like destination marketing. And I think that, you know, one of these days we will hopefully wake up and the rest of the world will uh, accept that and uh, you'll get your $18 million back.
1: I hope so. so. I hope so. In the meantime, we're having a great time. And like you said, really, this content that we're doing, these things, it's all about supporting our partners and our community and making them feel valued. And it's been really incredible. And I'm happy to talk to anyone who wants to kind of think about implementing this in their destination.
0: Great. Hey, thanks again. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers, this is where the best and the brightest come to share their stories. It's DMOU.com. Thanks again to our sponsor, our friends at Destination Analysts, a team of travel industry experts widely known for their pioneering customized travel and tourism research that is second to none. You can find more at DestinationAnalysts.com. DMOPros.com is where you'll find links to our services for the DMO sector, links to the Z News, our position papers on community development and board diversity, our videos, our blogs, and the biggest DMO job board on the planet, as well as past episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z. Com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.